morning, everyone. What a day. It's another beautiful day in Africa. Athali, I just want to say that I just want to say to you that there's an exceptional glow of Jesus upon you this morning. And I want to thank you for being a mother to so many in this church. <laughs> so just a, just a bit of feedback. I'd asked a little while ago that you guys pray for us because we were doing two heartland, uh, pastry fire events, rite of passage events close together. And um, I keep reminding myself never to do them within a, two within a month. And then we did two within two weeks. And I remembered why we never do two within two weeks. Um, and yet we do it and we've already booked another one, two in one week, was it? Yes. So God has a plan. And I just want to say that uh, the, the two events were uniquely different. One with, we had nine boys with their dads. Uh, there was spiritual breakthrough because we had a few dads who just were not believers and just didn't get it while they needed to be there. I think there was a bit of pressure from mom to be there, but God reigns supreme. Um, he uses wives sometimes wisely. In fact, all the time, wisely. <laughs> and then the second event we did was for the Drakensberg Boys Choir. What a surprise. You'd think for a bunch of choir boys, they would be of the gentler persuasion. But every time they blow us away, and um, I know I can joke with them about it because I do joke with them about it, and they laugh and we laugh and someone gets poked in the eye and something like that. Um, so <laughs> it was a really, really great event. It's really hard running an event without dads, but just to see boys totally and utterly transformed when they understand what it is that God seeks of them in their masculinity, but in, in manhood in general, uh, we just have it, one of the attributes of Pastor Fire of, of being a man is, is having righteousness. And on speaking about this on the event, um, I happen to end off by saying, you know, the Bible makes it very easy. It just says, repent and be baptized. To which we had one of the guys jump up and say, I want to get baptized now. Which poses a problem when you're sitting at 8 o'clock in the morning and it's only 6 degrees. And I'm the one that's got to baptize. I managed to put it off by two mornings, and we eventually did, but the water, the water was even colder than the first time. But the absolute courage of this young man to want to be baptized in this water which was fresh out of the mountains, and the absolute joy in his face. But my greatest sadness was is that his family wasn't there. And it's not because he didn't want them there, it's just because he came to me and spoke about how they were not yet believers. And I enjoyed the fact that he added the yet in. But they were not yet believers. And it would have no meaning for them. In fact, he would be questioned on it. But he had a family around him. And that's the great thing. He had a brotherhood of believers. He, he had brothers who were happy to witness and hold him accountable to his decision. So it ended well. And I want to thank you for your prayers and for the blessing that you guys have been to us as a ministry. The next thing is, it's Father's Day. Happy Father's Day to all of dads. And uh, I, I need to be obedient before I get on with that, in that God kind of gave me a message that there's one or two men here this morning who are here and they absolutely have no idea why they are here. And... They're asking a question, they're wanting God to answer it. I want you, if that is you, to have courage just to stand up, please. 
It's not a prerequisite. It's just if that's you. If you're not sure why you're here this morning. Okay, so I'm being obedient. You're not. <laughs> Bless you. Either way. Okay, I'll leave it at that. We've got another half an hour before you have to make up your mind entirely. So I'm not here to preach this morning. I'm here to share. And uh, it's going to be messy. Really messy. Um, Because a battlefield is messy. If you've ever been on a battlefield, you know there's a lot of blood. And there's a lot of body and body parts and broken equipment. And This is where we're headed. And if you're a man, I want you to know that you're at the forefront of that battle. And if you're being shot at right now, if you're struggling, if you're being hit from all sides, welcome to the war, big guy. Welcome to the war. And I think that is the greatest loss that we as men have done, is to believe, to have the devil have us believe that everything's okay. It's fine. You can put it off until tomorrow. Unfortunately, you cannot put off a war. Because if you do, people who get hurt, people die. And it reminds me about how many, so many nice males we have out in this world, but very few good men. And the world is full of males, but very few men. And yes, I'm pointing fingers. Because it's, it's time for us to stop being kind and gentle to, to the very people who've failed the nation, who've failed families, who've failed communities. And that is males who refuse to be men and take up the sword and go into battle. Because when men are men, women and children are safe and they flourish. If you want to know how well a family is, look at that, the, the mom of that family. Look at the children. You'll get a good picture. And if this is speaking something into your life, well, maybe this is the time that we put a peg in the ground. So what I want to share particularly is around two words, exactly that, putting a, a stake in the ground. I think of the movie Lord of the Rings, and um, when Gandalf stands up with a sword, puts it in the ground, he says, Thou shalt not pass. Well, it's time we as men do exactly that. We look at the prince of this world and say, to hear no further, thou shalt not pass. So to Father's Day, I'm still trying to figure out whether it's father's apostrophe S or father's as in plural, but irrespective. Okay, well I knew we had some educators here. (laughs) Um, You know... For me, the, the gist of it, and I'm going to put it out there because I'm probably going to mess it up. The hardest thing about being a father is that you can't be a father until you've been a son. And I say that in the physical sense, <laughs> but I also say it in terms of looking at our spiritual lives. Is that until we allow God to father us, it's not possible to be, father, to, to be a father. And... In this world, it's too easy to be a father, but it's very, very hard to be a dad. I mean, sperm donation is easy. 
Um, and that's the problem. My wife keeps telling me that she thinks that all men should go through an exam before they are allowed to procreate. <laughs> and having dealt with men for 19 years in ministry, I agree with her. <laughs> Did you know that Father's Day is relatively new? In fact, um, it's as early as 1909. And uh, it was something that was campaigned for 62 years by women before it was passed as legislation in the U.S. Senate to allow for Father's Day. Um, and it was one particular woman who made it her lifelong project to allow for Father's Day to happen. I'll just read from this. It's about the mother of Father's Day. When Sonora Louise Smart Dodd long name, was 16 years old, her father became a widower and was left to raise her and her five brothers alone. In 1909, Dodd was listening to a Mother's Day sermon when she realized the need for a day to celebrate fathers, especially her own. Inspired, Dodd drew up a petition for the first Father's Day, which she argued should be celebrated on her father's birthday in early June. Even though the petition earned only two signatures, Dodd convinced several local church members to, to participate on the condition that she pushed the date to, 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 do, to late June to give them more time to prepare. The resulting celebration in Spokane, Washington, kicked off Dodd's nearly lifelong mission of promoting Father's Day for national status. Over the next half century, Dodd would travel to the, the States, speaking on behalf of Father's Day and campaigning for the cause. Although Mother's Day was declared a national holiday in 1914, Father's Day wasn't recognized until 1972, officially. Throughout the years, President Woodrow Wilson, Calvin Coolidge, and John B. Jo Lyndon B. Johnson all wrote in favor of the holiday, but none passed legislation during their terms. In 1970, Congress finally passed Joint Resolution 187, which was called called on citizens to offer public and private expressions of such day to the abiding love and gratitude which they bear in their fathers. President Nixon signed the resolution into law two years later. And uh, it's celebrated in the States today still with fathers. With, uh, um, you've said, so we celebrate fathers by wearing red roses for those of their dad who have dads are still alive and white roses in remembrance of those that have passed. Wow. And yet, yeah, we have a country in South Africa where 50% of children go to bed every night in a fatherless home. And more than 50%, in fact, it's about 70% will spend the majority of their lives, 70% of children spend the majority of their lives without their fathers because they're busy or working or focused somewhere else. And scripture is quite clear in Exodus 20, verse 12. Honor your father and mother, and your days may be long in the land which the Lord your God gives you. But unfortunately today, fathers are not well honored. We sit with a law where, even in divorced homes, moms automatically get preference. Sometimes justly so, sometimes hugely to the detriment of the children. 
And uh, n- another story that comes up which, which brings the sad story is uh, in a prison in the States, um, one of the, uh, the nuns who would visit and, and minister to these prisoners said, offered, well, you know, Mother's Day is coming up. Uh, in fact, it was actually one of the prisoners who asked them, so please, my mom, Mother's Day is coming up. Is it possible for you to organize a Mother's Day card so I can send it to my mother? So the nun organized this and arranged the card, and all the prisoners, other prisoners got to hear about this, and suddenly there was a flurry for a 1,000-plus cards for all these guys wanting to send their moms a Mother's Day card. It was quite a celebration. And then a little bit later... It was Father's Day. In preparation for Father's Day, the nuns thought, well, let's get and plan for this. We'll create a whole lot of cards and we'll give them to prison sent to their dads. One card was asked for. So what we're seeing is fruit, fruit of a poison tree, I guess. It's two things. We've either lost regard for manhood and fathering or manhood and fathering has totally and utterly failed us. I had a young man come to me not so long ago. It was actually at the beginning of the year. He said to me, Daryl, I really appreciate what you're doing in the ministry, but I want to just tell you that we as a young generation, and he was in his early 20s, we as a younger generation believe that you as an older generation have failed us entirely. You're not accessible to us. You speak of how there needs to be fathering, how there needs to be for the older generation to have fathering moments with the younger, but the truth is you failed us. You're not available. And sadly, he's right. Because even here in this church, there's many of us men, and I speak for myself, I'm in amongst it, who are capable and we have capacity. Our children have grown up. But are we offering ourselves? Because the need is great. There are so many unfathered children in our community. Which brings me to the next word I want to speak about. It's the one that God's given me. That is the word legacy. And uh, legacy, fathering starts with legacy. Legacy denotes lineage, uh, your line, what you inherited, where you've come from. And by the way, there's 97 verses which elude to legacy in the Bible. And I just thought that would take up half the sermon, so it wasn't a good idea. And the definition of legacy is a gift or bequest that is handed down, endowed, or conveyed from one person to another. It is something descendable. It is something discernible one comes into position of that is transmitted, inherited, or received from a predecessor. So what is your legacy? What have you inherited? What have we chosen to inherit? Our fathers or our fathers? What is my legacy? And here's the thing for me in my walk into manhood and as a father, because I had that Rubicon moment in my life, having been married, unsaved, two children, still unsaved. 
But before I go to that, I need to go back and speak about my grandfather. Um, his name was John Peter Schreiber, and that is almost all I know about him. Um, he was born, I think, in Austria and came out at an early age into southern Africa and settled in the Eastern Cape. And, um, and I believe he lived in King Williamstown. And along came Helen Frances King, my soon-to-be-then-grandmother, um, who was a matron in the armed services during the Second World War, and happened to meet John Peter Schreiber, who was a soldier in the Kafirian Rifles in North Africa and Egypt. And they discovered each other. I'm still not sure today if he was wounded, and, and that's how they met, but they met. And uh, being human as they were, Oops, they happen to just, what does the Bible say? They lay with each other. <laughs> and my grandmother fell pregnant. And of course it was a scandal of the nation, or rather the family. Uh, she was sent back, back home, and after the war he came back, and they then got married, by which time I believe my father was born. And got onto an axe wagon and traveled down to, from Tarkistot to King Williamstown, where they settled. And at that time, my uncle Derek was born, who incidentally is the man who actually fathered me in so many ways. God is good. And what news came back from there to the family in Tarkistot was that things were not well. I don't know my grandfather's heritage or his, his dynasty or his legacy. But it was enough to get my great uncles onto Oxwagon to travel the week and a half or two weeks down from Togstot to King Williamstown. It was a week, I think. To beat the hell out of my grandfather, load my grandmother and uncle and, and dad into the ox wagon and travel back and there endeth the marriage because from what I understand my grandfather drank a lot he was abusive and it was not, not a very kind man my dad then was raised by my great uncles and, and raised well in a traditional manner two brothers same home Raised well, there was two different outcomes. Eventually, my dad got married to my mom from Queenstown, from English descent, English and Greek descent. And, yeah, we moved to KZN a little bit later. But the problem was that I feared my dad. Because my dad had taken on the legacy that was given to him. And that was one of abuse, alcohol abuse, and to be physically abusive. Small things like remembering when friends came to visit, they would leave very quickly because of what was happening. Hidings were few, beatings were many. And he chose to be almost continually drunk. And so this legacy was developing. My dad died when I was 15. It was in very good parting ways with that. It was his stubbornness that killed him together with a bad lifestyle. 
and life moved on. But I constantly had questions because they weren't validated. The things weren't reported back to me to, to let me know who I was and what I was and who I was about. And eventually I got married to a beautiful woman. Her name is Esty, and there she's sitting. And two beautiful children, one of them which is here. Hello, Monique. And the other one's cooking, I think. <laughs> and here's the thing. I came to a point where I had to make a decision. Which legacy do I choose? Because one night, Esty and I had had a, I wouldn't call it a fight. It was a huge disagreement. And my, my dad had a habit that when things went badly for him, he would just either get into a car and leave or just walk. And we wouldn't see him for a couple of days. And it was amazing how easy it was to slip into that because that's what I knew. That's what I knew. And I remember walking out the door, up the stairs, and it was black. Strange, there's lights on, but everything was black. And it was God holding me back, and I wasn't yet saved. But the truth of the matter is, is that God had me in his hand. And it wasn't long afterwards, at age 30, that a 12-year-old boy showed me who Jesus was. It was one of those days where Esther and I had a disagreement, because I was always right, she was always wrong. <laughs> we had had a disagreement, and... I was moaning and whining, and, and at, at what I was doing is in the mornings I was going surfing and I was picking kids up, and uh, this young guy had, had come into my life to, I don't, well, God knew why, why he was there, but it was just, I was doing a family a favor to take this kid surfing because his dad had passed and used to take him surfing and he wanted to go surfing. And I, so I had this kid, he was 12 years, and he was about yay big. I mean, literally, I could rest my arm on his head. He was so small for a 12-year-old. And at the beachfront, I was muttering and complaining and whining about this is going wrong and what's, why me and why did I end up with this? And, and he looked up at me and he said, Daryl, you know what your problem is? You're a loser. <laughs> and you're going to stay a loser until you get Jesus in your life. And the thing is, Right there and then, I wanted to beat the living snot out of that brat, right there. But the thing that stopped me was the absolute terror and fear in his face. Yet, in spite of the terror and fear, he chose to speak up. That's courage. That's Jesus. That's the Holy Spirit. And I kind of had to swallow my words and not to show what I did and surfed. It wasn't a great session and left it at that. And the next Saturday morning, this kid was back. And we were not in a good place. And my, yeah. He kept saying to me, you know, you dropped me off at church after surfing, because it was Sundays that we'd moved the, the surfing to. Why don't you come in? Why don't you come in? Well, I went once. Sat down, the worship music started. I started crying, so I bolted for the door. Two weeks later, after I plucked up the courage again, we went surfing again with this, with this kid. Esty had business overseas. The kids were off at the grandparents, at the grand, at grandma's house. And there I am again. He says, listen, 
Um, we know it's your birthday, so there's, there's, because I knew a few people that was then Hillside Church at uh, Hillcrest High School. And Darren says to me, we've made cake. Come for cake. There's cake for you because it's your birthday. <laughs> Meanwhile, they serve cake to all the newcomers. But anyway, God says be sly like a fox but gentle like a dove. <laughs> so I go to go and have cake. And of course, he tells me now that the family has also got together. and want to take me to lunch afterwards because I'm, I'm on my own. And I walk into the church, I sit down, the worship music starts, and I start crying. And I just looked over to this kid, and he's got this toothy grin looking at me. And he's actually laughing at me. I'm broken, but he's laughing at me. And I said to him, I want this to stop. I've had enough. And all I heard was, cool. And the pastor came and prayed for me, and I gave my life to Jesus. And I chose a different legacy. I chose my father in heaven, not my earthly father. The thing is, it wasn't enough for me then because I still wanted to go back. You know, the the word speaks about how a dog wants to go back to its vomit. Um, I still wanted to go back to the old things. And I I remember I, I had this little yellow Audi, canary yellow Audi A3, little sports car. And um, I said to Esty the one day, I need to take a break and I need to figure out who I am because I don't know who I am. I need to know where I come from, what I'm about. You remember that, right? And I got into this car and I took five days and I bolted for the Eastern Cape where the original showdown was, where the battle started for my heart. And I went there and my great uncle was there, Larry, Larry King, what a name. And Larry said, I've got some time. I'm going to meet me in Grahamstown, because that's where he was studying at age 60. He went back to varsity. And he took me through the route of where the family, the original King family, landed in the ship. And how they came through. And this one started a pub. And this one built the Methodist, my my ancestry built the Methodist church in Grahamstown. It's there. The King family is there. And how um, the, the, one of his horses died and, and he had to carry saddle 200 kilometers to the stake of farm that he had. And, and it, it was just phenomenal, the stories. And we followed these routes up and down the countryside until we got to Tarkastot and the farm. And a little patch of land which is now a chapel called Wheatlands. And he said, come, I'll show you where your family is, where your Lineages, where your legacy is. And I stood down and then I could see the gravestones of great-great-great-great-grandfather, great-great-great-great-grandfather, great-great-grandfather, down through until it rested with my dad and my, my, my uncle. And I thought, but they're dead. My legacy's dead. Sure. Do I keep coming back and more numbers are added? And I was broken by that. But it was on the drive back that I realized my legacy's elsewhere. 
I'm on a journey. Jesus is Lord of the journey. He's not at the destination. You all keep praying about the afterlife. I've got life. Because my life is hidden in Jesus. When God looks at me, he sees Jesus, but he sees who I am. Because that's who I am. I'm a son of God. I'm a prince in the kingdom of heaven. I have a crown on my head. All in the kingdom is mine. Yeah, I get to share it with you. But it's mine. Why do I love God so much? Why do I want to pursue this father of mine, this father in heaven? I see it every day because it's reflected in my wife. You know, women are such a mystery. Oh my gosh, they're a mystery. There's something secretive and elusive and just amazing about them. But that's what keeps us as men going back. It's what makes us offer something instead of wanting to take something from a woman. Because maybe if we just offer them something, it will make that creation even more amazing if that's possible. When a broken man wants to take because he wants to possess, we want to offer. But yet, the same thing we see, a woman is purely reflective of what God has to offer us. Is that, if I truly understood God, I wouldn't want to know him. I wouldn't want to be part of that. It's in the mystery of knowing, the mystery of knowing my father that keeps me going back. And to become fathers, we first need to be sons. Specifically, his sons. Being a son in this world is chaos. But in the kingdom, there is order. John 14, verse 18, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. And this is a book I recommend all men should read. It's called Fathered by God. John Eldridge I've been fathered by many men in my life one of them is this man I had the privilege of meeting him but it's through his books I've been fathered this is the introduction to the book one of the most haunting experiences I've ever had as a man took place on an early summer's day in Alaska my family and I were sea kayaking with humpback whales in the icy strait and we stopped on the shore of Chicago Island for lunch. Our guide asked us if we wanted to go for a hike into the interior of the island to a clearing where grizzlies were known to feed. We were all over that invitation. After a 20-minute walk through a spruce forest, we came into what appeared to be a broad open meadow about 400 yards across. Being midday and hot, there were no bears to be seen. They were sleeping now. Through the afternoon, they'll be back tonight, he said. Come here, I want to show you something. The meadow was actually, nothing, actually more of a bog, a low-lying jungle of brushy under, uh, ground cover about two feet high, barely supported underneath by another foot of soaked moss and peat, a very difficult place to walk. Our guide led us to a trail of what seemed to be massive footprints with a stride of about two feet between them, pressed down into the bog and making a path through it. It's a marked trail, he said, a path created by the footprints of the bears. This one is probably centuries old. 
For as long as the bears have been on this island, they've taken this path. The cubs follow their elders, putting their feet exactly where the older bears walk. That's how they learn to cross this place. I began to walk in the bark trail, stepping into the firm, deep-worn places where the bears had walked for centuries. I'm not sure how to describe the experience, but for some reason the word holy comes to mind. An ancient and fearful path through a wild and untamed place. I was following a proven way, laid down by those much stronger, far more prepared for this place than me. And though I knew I did not belong there, I was haunted by it. It could have followed that path for a long time, a long time. It awakened something deep and ancient in yearning in me. So there is a path. And it has been well-worn for centuries. And it's, it's when we come alive as being men who are wild and dangerous. Because that's what we're meant to be. The world is trying to defang and declaw us. But we are created wild and dangerous. The only question remains is, for what? I, I carry a knife. Sorry, in, in ending... I've learned two things recently, how to crash land a preach and how to circle five times before bringing it down. <laughs> I carry a knife with me all the time. And you never know you need a knife until you have one. And it's, it's an expensive knife. It's about two and a half thousand rand. Fortunately, I didn't pay for it. And boy, it's scratched and scuffed and it's got dents and it's getting shiny in places in the handle. The thing is, it tells a story. I can tell you, there's a bit here where I tried to sharpen it and I really messed it up. There's still a bit of packaging tape stuck on it from when I opened a parcel I got from overseas. And actually there's still a bit of hot chocolate on there from when I used it to stir on the pastry fire. (laughs) Remind me not to eat with it just yet. The thing is, some people buy a knife, and it's a story I often tell, and it remains just a knife in a box. It's, oh, that's cool, thank you, gets tossed. I don't want to be that knife. I want to be this knife. It's worn smooth by the use of the owner. Every blemish and chip and ding tells a story. And one day I'll have a grandson. Yes? who I'll probably pass it on to. And he can tell granddad stories. No pressure. I guess where I'm going with this is choose your legacy. Choose it well. I mean, mean, I'm so loving the evenings at the moment because the moon is shining so bright and my wife keeps waking me up and telling me to turn the lights off. (laughs) And um, it, it reminds me to be real because we can never be the perfect father. Only God in heaven can be that. But the moon reminds me that it's still possible because I, it gets to reflect the sun, the real light. I get to reflect the king, the real father.
And it doesn't mean I have to... You know, the Bible says that we need to take care of the orphans. It didn't say you had to adopt all of them. But it did say you need to take care of them. I get to have fathering moments with so many young kids, particularly young guys. And I, and I really pray God puts more men in my life who will have fathering moments with me. And so we'll celebrate. So I want to ask all the men in the room to stand, please. Any not yet fathers? One, two, okay, it's no excuse because soon it's going to happen. And you're going to have fathering moments with guys. Even young guys have fathering moments with those that are younger than them. So I just want to, to pray for you guys and honor you um, on this day. Oh Lord Jesus, we thank you that we can come to you not only as our brother, but, but as our Lord and Savior. Father God, we, we bow before you, the King. And Lord, with the authority that you've given me in this time, I want to speak life over these men. And you as men, I want to call you out right now to be men amongst men. To honor your God well. To choose your legacy. To carry the sword of truth at all times. To love your wives Current or future, and hopefully not both. Lord, that you will pray, Lord, I pray a specific blessing over these men, Father, that not only is it about family, Lord, but it's about community. Lord, we have a, a building here, a church, a community that's so much need. And Lord, I pray that you will put purpose in each and every single one of these men so that they can find purpose in what they have to give, not in what they have to take. And Lord, may there be a resounding happy Father's Day in their hearts in this day, and that you will be a blessing to their families as they are a blessing to their families. So we praise you and worship you in Jesus' name. Amen.